Welcome to Of course, I just messed it all up. Go, go, Ruiner of things. Welcome to the Top Shelf Dusters podcast, as Ethan was saying. And this week we are joined by Jesse. It is All-Star Week and I am bored. Bring back NHL hockey now. And by Brett. I, I did not get the memo we were supposed to wear our team's jersey today, uh, but I am one of those seven Panther fans. <laughs> promise. We sent out a memo? With... <laughs> It, it was a separate group chat. Sorry, Jesse. Oh, wow. sorry. Okay. We both got G'd out. And joined with Cass. Hey, all, another week the Bruins are undefeated, and tonight Cass runs on Duncan. We're not sponsored by them. And with Ethan. Absolutely not. Not yet. Ethan was rightfully interrupted in his intro as he interrupted <laughs> Amanda for her intro. That's what you get, Ethan. You deserve it. Go to hell. You know. <laughs> Always. Anyways, what do we have on the docket this week, Amanda? This week, we will be breaking down the latest NHL news, Gary Bettman's state of the league, an update on the 2018 Team Canada World Junior Scandal, a recap of the All-Star Weekend, and our question of the week. And before we get going, we do want to remind everyone that if you have a topic you want us to talk about, reach out to us on our Facebook page, Top Shelf Dusters. We also have a Twitter account at Top Shelf Dusters, and you can also email us, and the email is topshelfdusters at gmail.com. Again, that's topshelfdusters at gmail.com. All right, now kick us off, Amanda. Let's start with the NHL news. NHL news. One of the big things that happened this week is that Columbus Blue Jackets forward Patrick Laine has entered the NHL uh, NHLPA Players Assistance Program to receive care for an undisclosed issue. He is out indefinitely. He released a statement on Instagram that said, quote, after careful consideration and discussions with my support network and the team, I have recognized the importance of prioritizing my mental health and well-being. Hockey has been my passion in my life, but I have come to realize that in order to perform at my best, I must take this time to focus on myself. And he absolutely should. He's had a lot of injuries over the last couple seasons. He's been out with two thus far already. Guy needs to take care of himself, and I think this is a good move for him. Yeah, let's say that you mentioned the injuries, and this guy just has gotten hurt. I feel like every single season ever since he went to Columbus. And, you know, that not only has to be wearing on him, Physically, obviously, after so many injuries, but clearly it's starting to wear on him mentally, not being able to play. You know, he's supposed to be this top player. He was picked um, second overall, right, um, by Winnipeg. And, you know, so big expectations for this guy. Has was He had a great first couple years with Winnipeg, but since then it's been a little bit more down. And, yeah, so I, I think it's the right call for him to try to get things back on track. Well, and also, I don't, I don't know how many of us have been paying attention to news this far back, but do you guys remember the whole thing about him playing Fortnite a lot? Yes. And, and that was an issue with the team. So I, I don't know. He obviously didn't disclose all the information and the team didn't, and rightfully so. But um, one thing I will say about this is this is, I, I tried to find a list, but couldn't find one Th- this is the nth player that's done this and and we talked a few episodes back about 
um, players being dissatisfied with the program, but mm-hmm. we've seen Just multiple players go into it. Yeah, one one player in in particular. Very vocal about it though. <laughs> um, but but we've seen a lot of players go into the program this season, and to me, that's a good sign for the program. Right. Yeah, I mentioned that. Um, I think it may, my, probably it was two episodes ago. You know, I talked about how Scott Darling made these comments and literally told people not to go to it, but yet, like, like exactly what you said, Ethan, people continue to go to it. So I think that's a sign that Scott Darling's thing was a one-time thing, and most players are finding help through this program. I think it's a big benefit for them. I also think it's going to be a big benefit, or at least I'm hopeful that it's going to be a big benefit for Patrick Laine. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, he 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 suffered a concussion in October. He missed nine games from that. He suffered an illness in mid November. In mid November, he su- he missed three games from that, and now he is out with a broken clavicle that he suffered on December fourteenth against Toronto. Dude's only played eighteen games thus far this season. Uh, six goals, three assists, nine points, and he just hasn't been what he was in Winnipeg in Columbus. Yep, so I'm hopeful exactly. that this is going to be a major benefit for him. Um, I, I like the guy. I think he's a great player. I think he's got, you know, aside from his video game taste, not good, Patrick, not good. Fortnite's terrible. But aside from that, I think that he's got uh, a really great uh, opportunity to make this a little bit better for himself in the NHL and for himself. The good thing about the NHLPA is you see young kids and older vets using it too. It doesn't seem like it's a generational thing where, like, the you know, the older guys are like, screw mental health or screw you know, assistance like that. It seems like everyone's pretty open and about using it and about using it correctly in the way it's there for, which is nice to see too. If only more people did that in the world, right? <laughs> if only people got paid while they were in the programs. That, that too. Fair enough. That too. <laughs> Some states need to get on top. Uh, so moving on from that, the Los Angeles Kings, another head coach that has been dismissed this season have fired their head coach, Todd McClellan, and replaced him with interim head coach Jim Hiller for the rest of the season, as the team announced on Friday. McClellan became the sixth NHL coach to get fired this season. Edmonton Oilers, Minnesota Wild, St. Louis Blues, and New York Islanders have all made coaching changes thus far. A couple things here. This came out after Rob Blake said he wasn't going to fire McClellan. Obviously, the team didn't do too well after that. Also, this means that Dave Haxtall is now the longest tenure coach in the Pacific Division, which is hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> uh, Dude, that's crazy. I, it, yeah. No one saw this coming. It, no one. I, I made a comment in our chats about it being very abrupt, and it, it really felt abrupt. But the, the pro side of doing that is get ahead of it if you see the problem possibly going into the future, get ahead of it. Now get a, if there's a coach, that's the other thing. Like who are they thinking is going to replace Rube. him? Rube. That, that would be huge. Oh man. Gallant. Crazy. Yeah. You know, it, we've, we've mentioned Gallant multiple times. We've mentioned Gallant multiple <laughs> times and he still hasn't, there is no been zero this is rumblings. The, this is the one. This is the one. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. Like, I wonder if, Kings make this move if Edmonton sucks with a new coach. 
Like yeah. Edmonton is on fire right now, and LA probably feels the heat because they're dropping points left and right. Edmonton has gotten thirty straight points in fifteen games or whatever it is. So I wonder if LA is like, hey, we need to light a fire under these guys' butts too to get them going and hope they get that spark with a new coaching change. And I'll tell you something: like that team has young players, that team has vets. They should know how to play. And if anyone's going to get them to play the way they should, it's Craig Berube. You know, his name was linked with Ottawa forever after DJ Smith got fired. That's another team I could see him. It's just I'm kind of shocked that no one has picked him up yet, especially with the miracle that he worked out with the St. Louis Blues around this time that the St. Louis Blues won the Cup in 2019. To bring it back to the the Kings a little bit, I think uh, Ethan mentioned this being abrupt, and that's because the Kings were one of the top teams Early on the season, you know, Cam Talbot was a was a big part of that. To be fair, he was playing way above expectations. But the Kings still aren't in that bad of a spot right now. Obviously, like like Cass said, they are dropping points, but they're still not in a bad spot. Fourth place in the Pacific, not too far behind Edmonton. And I know Edmonton's on a crazy heater right now, but um, eventually you, that should come to an end. But I think I think that that. Basically, what you said, Cass, is is the right right thing that like they're trying to uh, light a fire, see if they firing the coach does the same thing. Uh, uh, you know, though, hopefully this doesn't become a trend for NHL teams. Like, you know, we've been on a losing streak. Even if you've done well, you fire your coach in the hopes that you get on a hot streak. And I would, we would have so much to talk about every week. If oh my that god, every the week. Case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it. it it's kind of like what Cass was saying with what Edmonton's doing, and, and they've found a real, real streak. I mean, we can't deny that. Um, they're still digging out of the hole, but they are proving that they can do it. it. It's almost like McClellan was caught in the crossfire of the whole yeah. thing. And if that wasn't happening, would he still have the job? Well, it's one of those things like they have 10 um, overtime losses. If they had five of those points, they'd be in the third um, spot in the Pacific. Don't the Bruins have a crap ton of overtime losses? Bruins have nine. The team that has the most, (laughs) does anyone want to guess? Seattle. No. Mm -mm. No? Islanders? The Islanders. Did you? I have the standings thing. I have the standings thing up. Cheater. I was going to talk about it, so I cheated a little bit. So it's interesting because the (laughs) Islanders got a new head coach. That is cheating. The Kings got a new head coach. You know, I was looking it up so, for a different reason. You know, so it's it's curious to see if that has anything to do with coaching changes too. Like if if the GM looks at it and says, "I know the LA Kings have struggled recently, and I know they've gone into overtime a lot, and they've left points on the board, which leaves a lot to be desired." I mean, obviously, it's the NHL. Every team is technically good, but you hope with a team like that. I I, I really like the LA Kings. I think they're a good team. Their goaltending's questionable, but they're stacked with forwards. Their defense is solid, and I, I personally like Rob Blake too. I don't know the new coaches from a hole in the wall, so I don't Couldn't know anything about him. Yeah, so he was an assistant before, though, right? Yeah, he was an assistant. I just looked it up in uh, uh, in Long Island. He was also a head coach in the WHL, or I'm sorry, an assistant coach in the WHL for some teams over there. But aside from that, uh, not much. He was an assistant coach for Detroit and for uh, uh, the Islanders. You know, we're going to talk think- a little bit about Winnipeg a little bit more later in the, in this podcast. But 
think about the PLD trade. It's looking worse and worse for LA and better and better. I was going to mention that. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. I mean, Pierre Luc Dubois hasn't really done much for the no. Los Angeles Kings. I mean, at all. He's kind of been a dud for them. And I think we've mentioned this a couple times too. And on top of that, a, a big issue for them is is their goaltending. I mean, they don't really have solid goaltending to elevate them to the level that they sh- they were playing at in the beginning of the season. I don't know where it, it's Cam Talbot, right? I don't know where he came from for for them in the beginning of the season. Well, I, I and he's went so many teams. <laughs> I know he was a Ranger too. I I get that, but you know what I'm what I mean is is like like how the hell did he perform up to that standard in the beginning of the season and then have such a steady drop off? And it doesn't seem like the teams really too into themselves either there was a quote about Andre Kot- oh, uh, there was a quote from Andre Kopitar that uh he was like the players are too into too invested into their own stats and their own points and they don't care about the oh that was Dowdy the, oh it was Dowdy it was one one of them yeah um, on Kopitar but, night I think and they were too invested in their own points and and not worried about the team and that's a big deal I mean if you're not going to be focused on the team as it's a team game right I understand you want to had your points and you want to have goals and assists and all that. But at the same time, if you're not winning games, then what the hell is the point of playing the game? Real quick, while we're talking about PLD, let's revisit that trade. Who lost uh, Columbus Blue Jackets or the Winnipeg Jets? PLD. Was that a one-for-one de- deal? Uh, Do you know? It was Pierre-Luc Dubois to Winnipeg for Jack Roslovic and Patrick Laine. Well, Ooh, given, given the... I think they both lost. Is at least playing. I'm giving it to Columbus a little bit, but well, just, just barely. <laughs> but but then but then Winnipeg flips. Winnipeg it gets and right. gets Iafalo. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think and, Winnipeg um, wins that. And Velarde. And yeah. Velarde. And uh, they got more. You're right too. I think. Actually, great point, Ethan. Yeah, never mind. It definitely is Winnipeg since they were able to flip it. If they didn't flip, then it's probably Columbus. So yeah. before we move on to the next subject, something I wanted to bring up is. We talked about Patrick Waugh getting hired from the New York Islanders last week. What was um, what was his uh, Canadian team's name? Was it what team was he on? The OHL the Laval team? Rockets. No, that's okay. the AHL team. He was in the QMJHL, right? The Laval Rockets Ramparts. used to be in the QJMHL. So. so anyway, I just wanted to bring up that one of his assistants from that junior team is now with him in New- uh, Long Island as an assistant coach. Oh, he's already Good trying team. to pull his springs and getting his coaching staff. I think head coaches should to... be able to have quite a voice in that. You know, they have people, they, they're they the head coach, so they should be able to work with the people they want to work you with. Build your it's kind of like the staff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the GM when they take over, they kind of want their own coach, but that's all. Yeah. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know. It's just something to kind of point out. One other thing, and then we'll go to the next topic, because um, one of you mentioned that in the NHLPA program you don't get paid but then it kind of rang a bell because we talked about this so i looked it up you do get paid uh players continue well, I, to be paid. I was saying it, it would be nice if the general public got paid if they went into a program oh oh i see i see it's, yeah. it's easier for an nhl player to admit they have a problem because you know you're not gonna you lose any salary program. yeah you, know you're you get your, your money family's gonna be fine if they're i gotcha you know, whereas someone in the real world if you have to go into a program your, your family's kind of effed yeah, the finances and stuff like that while you go seek the help that you really need. On to the next the next topic. Uh, a couple trades that we're going to talk about. The first one is Montreal. They Holy traded damn. 
Sean Monahan uh, to Winnipeg for a 2024 first round pick and a 2027 conditional third round pick. And you so, got to talk about that condition. It is <laughs> pretty funny. Go for it. So the condition for this third pick is the only way that the Canadians get the third pick is if the Jets win the Stanley Cup this season. And I don't know, that's just such a funny condition to me. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know. It's like I mean, the Jets winning the Cup seems kind of crazy, but you know, they they could pull it out, who knows? But still like I'm wondering what makes Montreal agree to that condition, you know? Because they got two first-round picks for a player that they took to dump his salary from another team. They got, yeah, one, like, they, they got a first-round pick from Calgary to take Sean Monahan, and now they're getting a first-round pick to dump him off to another team. Talk about a fleecing <laughs> by Kent Hughes. It's amazing. I love it, and I hate it because I'm in the Atlantic. He's he's getting the draft picks ready. They're They're about to go into their full rebuild, and it could be scary. This makes the Yeiser plan look like garbage. <laughs> uh anything else about that trade we want to talk about the other one the bigger one i'm just it, it i just i know i already said it i think it's hilarious he took a player on to get rid of the player for a team and got a first rounder out of Dude, it two first round picks out of a yeah. player that's crazy At, everyone thought it was dead and old and like gonna essentially like shea weber or brent seabrook his way out of the league but you know when you when you look at winnipeg we have Every move they've made as far as signings thus far, we have crapped on them over and over and over because it's like, what are you doing? Why are you re-signing older players that are and, fading in their career? And, and look, look at where them. they are. Yep. So right, it wasn't just us saying that. They like it, every, that's true. It was yeah, kind of sure. consensus. Yeah. So just Kevin Shellen, whatever his name is, the GM in Winnipeg. That one. Does he win GM of the year? He signed Shifley. He signed. Hello, Let's Bob. see where they finish this And if they get into the third round of the playoffs, we could be talking about GM of the year. I don't think they consider playoff success when they award no. those. Uh, I think it's all regular that, trophies. But. Don't they give that one out after the second round or something? They like vote no, for no, that no, one they're all the second round? Oh, maybe they do. I don't know. But I, I, still mean, don't I feel like I remember hearing that. We were talking about Jim Rutherford in Vancouver, who... Which is a good segue, Ethan. If you want to take away that trade, well, one thing I was going to say about the awards is it, I don't. I think it's all regular season, unless some awards are just regular season performance, and then others aren't, which doesn't make sense. But maybe we could look that up um, while I talk about this next trade. Calgary traded Elias Lindholm to Vancouver for a 2024 first round pick, conditional 2024 fourth round pick. Andre Kuzmenko, Yoni Yermo, I think that's how you'd say that, and Hunter. Say it. Say it. <laughs> Bruce Tekowitz. Bruce Tekowitz. Bruce Tekowitz. That's, that's okay. how I would pronounce it. Bruce Tekowitz. At BRZ, yeah. man. <laughs> it's them uh, Slavic the names, bro. <laughs> he's American though, so he's. <laughs> that's weird. Uh, the big part is Lindholm, and and I think that's a great move for both teams. Honestly, I mean. The Canucks are getting a player that hasn't really performed too hot in Calgary. And I think this is going to be a good move for Andre Kuzmenko as well, who has not performed up to the expectations that they had for him in uh, this season. So I think that both sides are going to win this trade uh, as we move forward in the season. Right now, obviously, it looks like that the Canucks kind of got a really good move. But 
I think that Kuzmenko is going to... I have a big fan of the guy. Ever since he did what he did last season, he scored like 40 goals, and now he's got only nine, or I'm sorry, eight goals this season, not on par for what he was at. I think this is going to be a good move for both teams. So, actually, Jesse, I, I feel like this... Oh, Vancouver overpaid a little bit for Lindholm. I mean, the guy's not a point-per-game guy, and he, he is a bit of played... He plays a bit of a two-way role... But you're not getting like this guy's not going to become the the first line center. Like he's probably going to be second line, maybe even third line. He he, and you're giving up two of your better prospects, a first round pick, and then a guy who still has room to grow. Kuzmenko and I know Kuzmenko, you said it. He has having a down year, but this guy could still all of a sudden like just start ripping off goals. He was a 39 goal I, scorer last year, and that guy might still be there. So and for I Lindholm, this is. is a this. I think he is Lindholm, still there. I'm sorry, I'm going to cut yeah. you off real quick because okay. I think the issue with Kuzmenko, I I feel, is Rick Tockett. I don't think he works well under Tockett's system. He just well, he wouldn't think, play him. Well, yeah, and I just don't think they get along. That's a whole other issue too. And he was really, really quick and willing to uh, waive his no trade clause. So I think that he wanted out of that team. If he wasn't performing up to the way that he wanted to perform, and he didn't get along with the coach. I believe be gone, you know, do you do what you got to do? I'll finish my point real quick because the last thing I was going to say is that Lindholm, this is the last year he's on a contract. And so if Vancouver can't resign him, I think Calgary's won this trade hands down. Now, if Vancouver wins a cup, maybe we're saying different. And if lies, Lindholm doesn't resign, but overall, I think, I think the Canucks overpaid a little bit for a rental player. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to hardcore disagree on that one. <laughs> okay. The, 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 and the reason behind it is, Vancouver is clearly in win now mode sure. um, that we already kind of knew that. And this just kind of solidifies that concept that they're in win now mode. The players that they gave up while in long term, sure, uh, it could bite them. If they really are just in win now mode, it doesn't matter. We already knew that Lindholm was on the trade block, so he was going somewhere and Vancouver wanted that guy. As far as Lindholm's production in Calgary, though, um, look at the team around him. He was kind of their defense, defensive core. Um, they've already traded, I forget what his name was. I should have had it pulled up, but they've traded one D-man. They Zadorov. actually, I believe, yeah, yeah, that's it, Zadorov, his infamous, I want to go somewhere else, and went to <laughs> Vancouver. Um, They've got other defensive players that I've seen pop up in the trade talk, trade rumor board, like uh, forums or whatever. They've, uh, they're they're in sell mode. Calgary is so oh, yeah. when you look at Lindholm's production there, he was the anchor and wasn't really allowed to play his game. He had to play defense, and like you guys mentioned, he's a two way defensive player. So now that he's on a team that has a very good decor have a great goalie in Thatcher Demko, Lindholm can actually flourish more than he was in Calgary. That all makes sense. Now, here, here's another thing to think about is you're trading. This is a division trade. So, uh, Ethan, you mentioned, you said it briefly, um, even though you disagree with me, you said this might bite you back in the butt. And think about, like, potentially um, first round of the playoffs, Kuzmenko scores a game winner in against Vancouver down the road, or you've got uh, these that two, they're both, third, they're both third round prospects. Both. I've looked at their um, scouting reports real quick on elite prospects. Both have 
pretty good high qualities. They're probably both going to be NHL players at some point. Maybe not all stars, but they'll be NHL players. So I, I don't know. I just feel like it, it. And I think you, you and you did say this. Like if Vancouver does win it all this year, then it it they probably could care less if that stuff happens down the road. Um, but I think just looking at it right now, I'm only seeing that like down the road thing. And it feels like they overpaid a little bit. I mean, and and, and that is yeah. that's a valid thing. That's a valid point. You also have to look down the road. If you're Lindholm, you enjoy Vancouver. You enjoy winning. You know, even if they don't win it all this year, they're going to win a lot this year, and he will enjoy that. So there's an opportunity to re-sign him. And then when you're there looking is. at these things given up for him, you have to remove Kuzmen. Kuzmenko from that thought process because it doesn't matter what he does in the future with another team. He wasn't going to do it in Vancouver because of yeah, Jesse's under point. Rick Tockett. He, yeah. he doesn't get along with the coach and the coach is not going anywhere when the team's winning like they are, you know, so you have to kind of subtract that. So you look at uh, Yermo and the last name. I'm not going to try again, even though Jesse said it. BRZ. Oh. <laughs> A, a couple of things about this. First of all, we see Winnipeg, we see Vancouver make two kind of crazy, kind of big splash trades. Imagine how great that Western Conference final would be if it's those two teams. Because Winnipeg I mean, versus Vancouver. I, yeah, because like It'd be great for Canada. I mean, obviously you have Quinn Hughes, but like there's not a ton of like NHL star power on those two teams. Like, you got Pedersen, but you know what I mean. You don't have a Connor McDavid. You don't have a Sidney Crosby. You don't have an Ovechkin, but like. Those two teams, I could see freaking battling each other, and it would be that's amazing. A, that's a seven-game series, you know? for sure. Oh, yeah. So that's the first thing. When I saw this trade came out, I was glued to my phone for probably the next hour. I thought it was going to be a sign-in trade by how much Vancouver gave up. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised I'm that didn't. Shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked that wasn't part of it, because, like, I know the Bruins, there were rumors that the Bruins were going after this guy because they need the center depth. Um, and... Uh, you saw, I saw a couple like um, trade propositions, but like seeing what they gave up and comparing to what it would be for the Bruins, I would have not have done it ever. Like obviously the Bruins are kind of um, the cupboard's kind of bare when it comes to first round draft picks, but for someone who's going to play, and you won in twenty eleven, correct? Now, yeah, Cass, think about this. Last year, you guys made those two big trades for Tyler Bertuzzi and um, who's the other guy? Um, Orlov, Hathaway. right? Oh, Hath yes. Hathaway? Yes. But anyways, yes. you guys made those big splashes last year, and then you had the first round exit. And so they are like... Look, in, we I get it. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying like, hey, look, those big splash trades didn't Alter really moon. help out. They didn't alter it. So let's ride with our team that's done so well in the regular season instead of trying to give up all this stuff. Uh, to do that. I mean, Florida kind of figured that out two years ago when we won the President's Trophy. We made those huge trades for Claude Giroux and Ben Sherratt, and then we couldn't make it past the second round after getting swept by the Lightning, and then the next season, we don't make... We literally made no moves. I think we made an AHL trade, and that was it. So let's um, take a step back from this, though. Like, If you look last year at the moves that the Bruins made with Orloff, Hathaway, and Bertuzzi, the, all three of those players gelled phenomenally with the team. It was a team letdown in the playoffs. I don't so? think Giroux, okay. I don't think Giroux, I don't think, uh, and Chira, I don't think they gelled that well with the Panthers. Giroux did really good for us, actually. I, mean, I, I don't know about Chira, but Giroux, Giroux 
like he he was he was a big part of our first round uh, series win against uh, Washington there. Now but, here, um, here's what you have to remember with with all of this, bringing this kind of back to this trade and yeah. the trades we've talked about. It for us all, well, almost all of us have won a cup within the last thirty years, right? So you, we all have a very <laughs> different perspective. Ninety four was thirty years ago. <laughs> even though even though we're all hungry for a cup, um, we're not in the seat Canada's in, any Canadian team. And if you look at all these trades that have been happening, there's one thing we can all agree on. Canada, if you're win. a team in Canada, no. you're either really chasing your success right now, Vancouver, Winnipeg, or you are really trying to start your rebuild now, Calgary, Toronto. Montreal. And then Toronto, I think they're also in the category of Don't chasing what win. they have. <laughs> Same thing with Edmonton. I mean, they made that Corey Perry signing. They did. They did the big signing versus the big trade. But, but I bet you they make one. a trade. I bet you they make a trade though. They need to though. They won sixteen games in a row. Like it's kind of like the Bruins. Like if you don't need maybe to make like a, a trade, uh, why make the trade? I don't. But think like they a, do. maybe like add defensive depth or something. Maybe well, add a backup kinda, goaltender. They need a backup goaltender. They would need a goaltender yeah. for if, over anybody. There's. But the, the there's been a lot of you know talk about the goaltending too about this season. It's just been weird all over. So who would they? And for Edmonton to put them in <laughs> for Alamov, but that's, New York Islanders don't idea. give them up, give him up. Uh, Edmonton's in that category as well as chasing what we have right now. And, and their big move, it wasn't a trade, but it was firing their head coach and it paid off. You know, that big was a, time. that was a big time move. So Ethan, you think if the Islanders aren't out of the playoff spot at trade deadline time, they don't look to move our mm. If they do. And why not? I think they're like, going to get a big. lot because there's there's not a big goalie trade market. Varlama would be the piece. They have to Varlamov tame their, is their making ask. less than three million. We'll we'll get to uh, that in the question of the week. <laughs> uh oh, I think you just revealed uh, someone's answer. <laughs> well, that's how I know he was only making three mil. But um, <laughs> who wants to take the next injury news? Okay, I will. Um, uh, it's Jesse's guy. Much- Jesse's guy. Oh yeah. Fantilli? Go ahead, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you mean by that because he's not. But I Adam, he's Jai. <laughs> Adam Fantilli, rookie center of the Columbus Blue Jackets, is expected to miss eight weeks with a lacerated calf. He uh, suffered the uh, injury in a game against the Seattle Kraken where Jared McCann hit him into the boards, and then his skate kind of connected with uh, Fantilli's calf after mm, the collision. Yeah. Fantilli was already near the Blue, back, the Blue Jackets bench, when he was able to skate on one leg before heading back to the dressing room. he uh, Jared McCann kind of stepped on uh, Fantilli's leg. It, it it seemed like it was a lot worse than it could have been. I thought that maybe he severed uh, an ACL or something like that. I'm hopeful that he, you know he's going to be able to come back. It says he's going to be out for eight weeks, but uh, it's a big loss. I think, uh, Brett, you mentioned that it's all the first three picks of this Season's draft are all out due to injury now. Well, Not no, right. uh, no, uh, Leo Carlson is back. Oh, that's right. He, he came he, back. Remember, he missed all that time, though. He's right. been injured. So now all three picks at some point this year have been injured. And so, Connor Bernard can only play for the All Star Skills Competition. That's it. <laughs> um, was out this there one, swinging passes for one of Wait, the, uh, Brett, before uh, you go in. Sure. Before sure. you go into your point, I just want to point out, Jesse, the reason why I wanted you to read it was it's your guy in McCann. Turn around. You've got a giant red eye staring at the back of your head. 
Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just I forgot that was there. Sorry. Go ahead, Brett. I was going to say, the only thing I was going to say is that I feel like Blue Jackets fans shouldn't be too worried. Um, you know, some uh, some injuries that happen, especially leg injuries, are, are very concerning for players who, especially when speed and skating is such a huge part of playing in the NHL. But since they're just saying it's a laceration, and like Jesse said, it wasn't like into the ACL or any important muscles. So I think it's like, give, give him the eight weeks to heal and recover, but I think he's going to come back 100% once the, once once it's fully healed. And, and if you're a Columbus fan, um, you don't have playoff hopes, right? Right. Like, just get another top you pick. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like this season's it's over, essentially. Time. You know, go find a Babcock to hire in the offseason, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but you know, w- when when I see skate laceration, t- did you guys ever see that Eric Carlson injury when he got his Achilles? Oh, okay, moving snapped? on. Uh, that was bad. That That's was all bad. it reminded yeah. me of. <laughs> so eight weeks is is really it, it could have been worse. And uh, it's crazy too because you know there's been a lot of conversation since what happened in October um, about these cut guards and. Apparently, Fantelli was wearing those Kevlar socks that protect you from those sorts of cuts. So imagine what it could have been without that protection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would have been bad. Could have been really bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on to our final NHL news topic. We're going to kind of go through these a little bit fast because um, we're a little behind on time. But Gary Bettman is now Boo. the longest tenured commissioner. In okay, all four let's go into this right now because... I want to hear why you're booing. If it's just the cool thing, because to do, you're like, supposed to. Nickelback sucks. That's right. Oh, no, it's because you're supposed to. I, I actually like Batman. <laughs> I think he's done a phenomenal job, especially now that the Olympics and this uh, this new tournament that we're going to talk about is coming. Don't out. jump the gun I too think much. He's there, done, that's why I didn't specify by name. <laughs> I think he's done a phenomenal job. The outdoor games that he brings, whether it's the Heritage Classic, the mm. Winter Classic, the Stadium Series. You know, the everyone wants to crap on the scheduling of the league, how you don't see your division rivals all the time, or they want to crap on the seating in the playoffs. But I think he's brought hockey to Nashville. He's brought hockey to Vegas. He's brought hockey to Seattle, just to name a few places that have popped off and paid dividends to the NHL. Vegas? I think he's done a phenomenal job. That I've already said that, but yes. Oh, I didn't hear Vegas. I'm sorry. Vegas, Seattle, and Nashville are my three examples. I heard Nashville and Seattle. I must, I must have missed. Oh. Sorry. Well, and and anyway, the thing is, sorry to it, when you're when you're the longest tenured commissioner in pro sports, so we're talking NHL, NBA, MLB, NFL. Um, you're it's a long time if you're going to get this accolade, and obviously we can all find different things that we disagreed with along the way. But that's going to just come with time. People make mistakes. But if you look at the overall picture, I think he's made the game a lot better. Uh, I think or, the one or thing at you, least kept it up. The one thing Cass brought up brought up that I, I'm is definitely uh, a positive for Batman is those outdoor games, how they become like a staple of the NHL. I mean, think about how much that stuff gets advertised to the general public. Jesse's got his winter classic jersey on. But yeah, the outdoor games are huge and they they sell out all these times that they do these outdoor games. They're the highest attended NHL games of the year because they get to do them in these outdoor stadiums. They don't have trouble um selling these games. It's not like they're 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 like half-filled stadiums. Kind of like with the, the PDWHL and I think they've done great, but they're doing like these games at the NHL arenas and normally they're about like 
you know, 50, 60% full. And for the NHL with these outdoor games, they're doing much larger venues than they're used to because most stadiums are around 18,000, 17,000 seats. And these are like 50, 60,000 seat mm-hmm. arenas and they're selling out. So uh, the outdoor games are probably, at least for me, that's probably the best thing Bettman's done for the league. Well, it's one of those things too. Like it's a marquee event, at least yes. for me. Like you get sick of your fa- seeing your family over for the holidays and then they still come over January 1st to watch this game. Even though I'm really bullshit the NHL for not announcing who the heck's playing next year. And if whoever said it in our Discord chat is right and there's no winter classic, fire Bettman. Fire Bettman. Because <laughs> that's bullshit. That is, that's, I that don't care who thing. plays. It can be freaking... Florida Columbus. You know, Florida Columbus. I don't care. I don't care. As long as everyone... As long as Huberdeau gets traded to Columbus and he scores the game-winning goal, that's fine by me. <laughs> So, well, and, and that's I mean, something that we have to keep our eyes out for because mm-hmm. in my, so my thinking was they didn't announce a 2025 winter classic. Cause I thought maybe that's when they'd have this tournament that we'll talk about here in, in a few minutes. Um, but, but now it, it sounds like that's going to be at a different time of the year. So I don't know where that winter classic game is. So not only does he need to tie that loose end up, but I think we could all agree the biggest thing on his docket right now is the PR for the league. Um, lots of stuff has happened just within the last six months that uh, it makes you raise questions on how much the NHL is looking internally at issues that could crop up as they've cropped up now. Um, we'll get more to some of those bad ones later, but he did address uh moving on from the nhl news he did give like a state of the league and so uh did anyone have any comments about bettman before i read this so before i just wanted to go ahead jesse really quick there was a statistic that i saw excuse me there was a statistic that i saw regarding bettman um and it said Quote, to put his 31 stretch into perspective, consider that Bettman's tenure has overseen 59% of all players in NHL history, 57% 57 of coaches and general managers, 56% of games played, and 52% of goals scored. And I thought that was insane. I thought that that was crazy as hell. Like, that's a majority of everything that's happened in NHL history happened during uh, Bettman's tenure. Over these a last lot of that years. is because of the 32 teams, the 30 teams, because obviously whoever was the uh, commissioner during the original six, right. there's only so many games of course. that are happening. If there. I'm not mistaken, so, I think he's yeah. the first commissioner by name of the NHL, too. I don't think there was a commissioner before. No? If I'm not mistaken. Amanda, can you double check that? Amanda's so, gonna... a, a couple of the negatives is obviously the Olympic not being involved in the NHL in the last couple of years and also the two work stoppages. But um, what did I want to say? As far as Batman goes, I, I like I said, I'm I'm a Batman guy, even though you know I just like to boo him. I like you're to boo him. To boo him. He I like to, He do loves you, it. He's do like you boo Nickelback too. Yeah, I hell yeah, yeah, I boo Nickelback, and I scream their songs when I hear them on the radio. <laughs> Batman, <laughs> when 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 Batman uh, was at photographs. When Batman was at, the, you guys uh, are gonna get a uh, the copy right here now on the. <laughs> no, 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 it's not good enough due to our singing. When Batman was I, at the I opening won't. game for the Seattle Kraken and and people were booing him, he's like, "Oh, you've already got it down. You're doing a good job." And I thought that that was hilarious. He he eats that stuff up. It's great. So going back to the 2025 Winter Classic, if they didn't announce it opening uh, 
January 1st this year, and they didn't announce it during the All-Star break. It doesn't look good. I just want to say that. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. So to jump in real fast, uh, Cass, you are right. Bettman is the first uh, appointed wow. NHL commissioner. There were five presidents, like NHL presidents, before him. Uh, oh, that that makes that. it even better. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so, okay, back to this state of the league that he gave during the All-Star weekend. So he, he made a couple remarks on multiple topics that have been cropping up throughout the season. Uh, the first one is his remarks on the Arizona arena situation. What he did say is Alex Morello uh, told me he was certain he will get this done. I am hopeful and reasonably confident he's going to do what he says. So just kind of touched on it. He doesn't seem too worried about it. I don't know that he's ever really seemed too worried about it. Uh, but he did at least address that. And one thing I do want to say about this is the Arizona Coyotes tweeted out months ago that they had something about the arena they were going to talk about and then just never said anything. And, and so radio silence. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. He did, did you, make some. Oh, did you see so before you jump in? Said? I want to talk about. Yeah. Did you see what today what they yeah, said? So they, at, what, go ahead. They're looking at land trusts, right? Yeah, so they announced today that they're moving forward with a plan to buy state trust land in North Phoenix. So, and that was announced this morning, literally less than 24 hours after the uh, comments that Gary Bettman made, after the comments that NHLPA Executive Director Marty Walsh made, uh, because he said that he's extremely disappointed with the Coyotes organization as a whole. So, Ow. here's hoping that, that that's going to happen. And the reason why Marty Walsh said that, he said excuse me, that senior members of the Phoenix or the Arizona Coyotes organization won't even speak with the NHLPA about the conditions for the players there. So there was a, there, no. there it, it seems like the NHL and the, or at least the NHLPA is done with the situation in Arizona. Walsh said that he, how long do you, how long do you have to wait to get a home? They're playing in a college arena and they're the second tenant in that arena. This is not a way to run a business. NHL players don't want that. That's fair. Yeah. So to further on um, what Jesse said about Marty Walsh, he said he was uh, he talked to the ownership group and they refused to engage with the union on numerous fronts, and they won't even discuss player concerns. And it's been long enough to find an uh, an arena, just like he said. Meanwhile, after Bettman made those uh, comments that he was fairly certain they would get the the arena situation done, Arizona took that and retweeted it saying we are fully committed to Arizona and hope to share so exciting news with all of you soon. Arizona is home and the future is incredibly bright here. And it'll be now, another three months before we hear from them again. I'm going to play both sides here. So I'm going to contradict wow, myself. Surprise, but surprise. <laughs> on, on one hand, I think it's a little ridiculous to think that, Oh, you've had enough time to figure out an arena thing. They've been in mullet arena for now one and a half seasons. Um, the obvious choice, if you want a fast arena home to just slot into, it would be the Phoenix Suns. But clearly, the Phoenix happen. Suns owner does not want that, so you can't actually use that arena. So at this point, you're looking at building an arena. Building a, an arena will take longer than a season and a half. I'm sorry, right, it just no, will. Yeah. Right, right, I understand so, that, but there's been zero indication that they even have the land to build an so, arena on. And, and that's the other side where I'm going to contradict myself. It sounds like the Arizona Coyotes organization is stringing this along 
as in like they've procrastinated this or haven't seen what they wanted to see happen to go forward. And it's just kind of like, give us five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. <laughs> uh, give me a second. So, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the second year of the planet mullet, right? Yes. Third? So, second. Second? Okay. So, Halfway through. I mean, Sorry. Assuming construction started today, which it ain't, A wouldn't be ready for another three seasons. There's no way. You know, as someone with a construction background, you have to, you know, to my understanding, to my understanding, the expectation of them being in Mullet Arena was for five seasons. And I thought that that was that was going to be it. That's that's what I remember from the beginning of this when we were all making fun of them playing in a college arena. But um, like they haven't even broken into the ground. Nothing's happened in that regard. They don't even have ground to break into. Right. Exactly. So what the hell is going on there? Let's say it is the three years Cass is saying it would take for an arena to actually be constructed, right? They still have the rest of this season to figure out the land. So as far as the NHL side making those comments about being frustrated and Arizona's not really communicating with us, blah, 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 blah. If, if the original plan was five seasons, then they still have half the season to go before they have to do something. And then you're yeah. you're in mullet for five seasons. The other thing is, imagine being a another a Pagula or a J- a Jeremy Jacobs or another owner who has to share your profits with this team who's only putting five thousand in the seat every night that you have a home game. Like there is a certain amount, of, there is a certain amount of profit sharing between the owners. That's where they get most of their money from is the butts in the seat, concessions, stuff like that. I'd be I'd be mad. Like, but if this if Seattle, this was year five, imagine sure. Seattle paying a billion dollar expansion fee and having to share their profits after they dished out a billion dollars with a, a team that plays in a college arena. But I wanna, they were all mad. okay with it. You know, I want to I want to correct myself. They don't have, they have a have choice. A lease, <laughs> they have a lease to play in Mullet Arena for three years. Uh, okay. Oh, so, next disregard season. everything I'm saying. So that's on me. That's my bad. But at the same time, like. This should have been taken care of in the beginning. I think they rode the uh, Tempe vote a little too hard, honestly, because yeah. they were expecting that to go through, and it that should have went didn't. through. It the people it didn't want it. It's unbelievable. If I'm Houston, I have an NHL ready arena by next year, just in case. Well, Salt Lake City already has it. Well, Salt Lake City. Uh, here we go. So oh, he did make some comments devil. about that. <laughs> uh, his comments on the Utah expansion was that there's no active pursuit of expansion, but beyond Utah, the league has received at least preliminary interest from Utah, Houston, Atlanta, Cincinnati, and Omaha. Omaha for me. Omaha is such a weird one. (laughs) Who the hell lives in Nebraska? Peyton Manning. Corn. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I mean, Utah seems like it would be the scapegoat. If you if Arizona fell through, notice Same not one zone. of those cities Atlanta is a Canadian team hard, or city. Not one of those cities is Canadian. Never heard yeah. of Houston, Quebec. Never gonna happen in Quebec City, boys. <laughs> Never ever ever happening. Um, and then moving on to the last little bit of his state of the league, he did make some comments about Corey Perry um, and all that went down in Chicago. He did mention that there was a grievance filed initially 
for the contract termination from Corey Perry and his lawyers. And so I guess from his comments, it sounded like Corey Perry was going to try that, but then it was pulled back. So So, I don't know why you talk about it, but. So they actually, it gave uh, them an extension to do that. The deadline to do that was in late January, 60 days after the termination. And NHLPA director Marty Walsh said that that, uh, that deadline was extended for them to do that. So it sounds like they're still going to try and file that grievance or they're going to try and figure out a way to talk to Chicago and see if something can happen there. I mean, he went from making $4 million to 775 k or something like that, so I don't blame him. Even though he's loaded, I mean, money is money. Did 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 Chicago have to? What they have? Did, does he get? Did that? His contract terminated. Did did just, so the contract terminated? So he's not getting paid that anymore. It's not correct. like they. That's okay. why he wants to file the grievance. It's not. Yeah, it's not like a buyout. Like with a no. buyout, those players don't get paid throughout it. His contract was terminated. Right. Uh, he was he was put on uh, unconditional waivers for purpose of contract termination. Yeah. So. To stay in line with that kind of topic, uh, let's move on. Just a an update on the latest 2018, 2018 Team Canada World Junior Championship case. I hate that WJC. Quick editor note here before we jump into this conversation we had uh, on Saturday when we recorded Saturday, February 3rd. Um, Obviously, some information has come out today in the London Police Service press conference. And so if you want to hear our comments about that, stay tuned. Listen to the rest of the episode. But um, our comments about the press conference that happened today, Monday, February 5th, will be tagged at the end of the episode. So Moving forward through this topic, just keep in mind, this was recorded two days prior to the press conference, so there's some speculation that will be cleared up at the end of the episode. Here we go. So, Bettman did talk about this, and I'm just going to kind of read through the comments real quick, and then we can discuss. So, Gary Bettman on 2018 WJC incident. I've used the words abhorrent, horrific, and unacceptable for these acts, and these words continue to apply. We have not received official confirmation yet from London Police of indictments. At this stage, the most responsible and prudent thing to do is wait for judicial proceedings. I think it's important for people to understand what happened is not typical of NHL players. These players were not playing in the NHL at the time of this incident. This is not representative of what takes place in our game. We want people to know our game is inclusive, welcoming, and safe. Uh, As far as the five players, they are not with their teams and are free agents. They either don't have contracts or their contracts will expire after the season. And if I were them, I would focus on defending themselves if charges come down. Bettman then on if teams will be able to terminate the contract of a player being charged. He said timing is irrelevant. They'll be without a contract after this season. In order to terminate a contract successfully, you need to prove certain things. And then on suspending the charged players without pay, I don't think that's necessary. The fact that they're away from their teams and not playing, I'm comfortable with. They've been paid the bulk of their salary for the year anyway. 
And their concern is, the NHL's concern is to get this right. And then um, Daly, he's president of the... Deputy Commissioner? Deputy Commissioner, commissioner, yes. Um, He did have some comments as well. He said, teams were less informed than we were. They had no access to reports. Only things they may have known were what players told them. So a lot to unpack there. I think the biggest red alarm bell is um, him kind of dodging this whole thing about their contracts. Like, yes, some don't have contracts. Some, their contracts are expiring after this season. So why, why should they still get paid even if they've gotten the bulk of their salary? That, that's a big, yeah. Um, I find it mighty ironic slash coincidental that everyone was on a expiring contract at the end of the season. That is crazy. Like, it's, it's kind of wild that it's so convenient for Gary Bettman not to have to address next year with all these players because technically, well, one of them is already overseas playing with uh, That's know, all the AHL swag. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised, like, a Carter Hart or a Michael McLeod didn't have a contract extended through the rest of this year, past this year. So here's something I want to bring up with this, and it's not directly related to the contracts, but the fact that they expire, and who knows how long this court case stuff will go on. But I do, uh, let me just interject this here. One thing I did read is a lot of people are anticipating this court proceeding to happen as far out as 2026. So that's not like for sure, but that's kind of the date. Right, long time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, so say the court case goes on and they, all, all, all these guys are free agents. Say... And who knows if this will happen? I don't know, um, obviously. But say they're all found not guilty. And this kind of stuff has happened before where a player's found not guilty of a charge, yep. but then they don't get signed by the league because of all the PR and the media stuff. Do you guys anticipate that same kind of thing happening? I mean, the biggest talent uh, out of this group of players is Carter Hart. So it would be crazy to see this guy potentially... And if he gets charged guilty, completely different ballgame. So only in this scenario I'm talking about is if they get charged not guilty and Carter Hart's not signed to a contract just because of media stuff. Just think about how crazy that would be. Or do I, you guys see potentially them being signed if they're found not guilty? If they're found not guilty, I could see them coming back into the league, no problem. Okay. I mean, I think it would be an injustice to them if they are innocent. If they are found innocent, it would be an injustice to them to not allow them to play in the league again. I think now, that innocent, not not settle out of court. I was gonna say, to I'm, be clear, I'm, we're talking about innocent, innocent. Yeah, innocent, innocent. Yes. <laughs> so, do you do you know Jesse? Do you know about Trevor Bauer? I'm not familiar. So, MLB. Trevor Bauer, um, baseball pitcher for the Dodgers, or he was. Um, he won the Cy Young, which is the award you get for being the best pitcher. He was charged for about the same kind of thing: sexual assault. assault. And as soon as these charges went out, they were made public. Trevor Bauer's contract was terminated. He went through the court case. They found Trevor Bauer completely not guilty. He had evidence to prove that this the woman was actually manipulating Trevor Bauer in order to win money in a court case. So it was a scheme. But anyways, Trevor Bauer was found to be completely innocent. But yet no Major League Baseball team will sign this guy. A team in Japan signed him. But like 
no baseball team will touch this guy, even though he was complete found innocent. He has the talent level. So that's what I'm saying. Like, could we potentially see that happen with these NHL players? I well, another a- thing to bring up too is that um, all these, um, all five of these players got charged with one count of something. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Michael McLeod got charged with two counts. If I'm not mistaken, oh, wow. Amanda, can you double check on that? If that that is correct, if I remember check. correctly, I don't remember the exact charge. I think it was being uh, an accessory to a party or something like that of this incident. Amanda's probably going to be able to pull it up better than I will. Now, the the opposite of Trevor Bauer would be Deshaun Watson, right? Okay. So he's a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I can't remember how it was over 20 counts he was charged with for sexual yeah. assault. Oh my God. And um, he is currently under contract. Wow. In the NFL. NFL is different, so, though. Like Ray dude, Rice can drag a woman out by her hair in the elevator and still play the next now, week. Like. As far as these five players, though, what really does help them assuming they're innocent, innocent is that it, there's five of them and they are well-known players uh, or at least four, four are. Um, So the fact that it's a pack, if they are all found innocent, innocent, I think it helps that it's not just a single person. Okay. I'd be worried if I was a, like, if I'm not mistaken, I think Cal foot's a fringe player. Uh, Yeah. We call him footy. Uh, Michael McLeod and Carter Hart, obviously, are regular roster players. And then um, Dubé is a regular player as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I'd be worried about if I was Cal Foot and we're all found innocent, I'd be worried about if he gets picked up, you know? Yeah. Like, because uh, he doesn't bring quite... I get exactly. I get what you're saying, Cass. He doesn't quite have the talent level to be like, look, this guy's got this media, media issue, but he's got the talent to back it up. But with right. Cal Foot, that's not quite the case. So, yeah, but that would be pretty messed up for if all the other three players get signed, then Calfo doesn't. Boy, that would that'd be messed up. <laughs> no one, knowing the Bruins track record, they're probably going to bring Formentian back from the cage and sign him too after this. <laughs> I feel like Formentian was like in the Swiss League, so I'm going to, I'll check that real quick, but I could be wrong. Maybe whatever. Right he's not in the NHL. Yeah, NHL it was, a, it, it was a Swiss yeah. League. Amanda? Um, even worse. Uh, he's not even good enough. Yeah, the, the NL, which is the Swiss League. Swiss League. So I got it. McLeod was charged with second um, offense, so he's facing the one count of the of the assault, and then the other one is one count of being party to the offense, so which is he's, even he's more the only one out of the five. Were they not the all parties to five. it? We don't. I, we're not going to get into this. Anything on the from here is going to be speculative. Anything. If, from if here you need me to explain this to you, Brett, I'll uh, <laughs> yeah jump off and we'll talk after. Yeah. So yeah, and and it's worth mentioning um, that especially all of us here at Top Shelf Dusters and our sister page, Freeze the Puck Hockey. Anything we're posting about this, we are well aware that the judicial system is set to have you be innocent until proven guilty. So none of us are saying they're guilty. We're just reporting what has been reported. Um, we have some team comments and some lawyer comments. They're all essentially saying the same thing. It's, um, we've been made aware of this. Our player was charged and we have no further comment at this time. That's the well, they, synopsis. They all there. proclaimed, all the lawyers proclaimed the innocence of the players, which I mean, you right. have to, if you're the lawyer. Absolutely. 
Um, but but no real detail outside of that. Uh, one thing I will say, we are recording on Saturday, February 3rd. So we're all anticipating the remarks from the London, Ontario PD department on February 5th, which is also when you can get your stadium series jerseys. <laughs> and um, uh, since we edit this and release the audio version of the podcast on Tuesdays, which will be February 6th, um, you will find a note. If you go listen to the audio, I will make a short little segment about what the London PD said. Thanks, Ethan. Dude, Ethan is well prepped. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> he had that planned out. He, had, he probably even rehearsed it before we started recording. Now we're all going to make comments about what they said from the past. Let's talk about so, what they just said. <laughs> before we move on with this, I just want to point out that Dylan Dubé, or is that how, I think that's how you You got it. it. Um, he left the team like a week or two before the other three players. He did. And I think it's funny that Calgary said he left for mental health reasons, and all of a sudden they had to backtrack that comment saying they had no idea when <laughs> he no left idea. because of this issue. So. Yeah. It looked so bad on Calgary's part. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, we made, made a, a lot of comments. A bunch of people Ethan, Ethan meth- meant, sorry. Uh, Ethan mentioned we got the prediction about Winnipeg wrong, but I'll tell you what, spot on with Calgary so far. They are not a playoff team. <laughs> but also, maybe slightly more of a playoff team than Seattle. I don't know. We'll see. Moving I don't know on. If that was part of it. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, star game. Ready. Money, money, yeah, money, I'm not ready. I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just there were a couple funny things. Not all of us paid attention to it, and to be honest, I only paid attention for recaps and such uh, because you know the All Star Game. I think we're all kind of over it, which we'll get to at the end of this. But the first, let's go in order. You know, they have the draft, then they have the skills competition, then they have the actual games. And to start with the draft, so awkward. The whole thing was so awkward, and it's actually kind of worth watching because it's funny. Um, first and foremost, for anyone to think, hey, this is a good idea. Let's have just a ton of all-star NHL players constantly with a mic in front of them and interview them and see what they're feeling. NHL players are never good in front of a camera and mic. They're, they're awkward. They're just like, put the puck in the net, play the game. That's all I want to say. Hockey. So, <laughs> we've got several videos. That's one thing to to keep note of throughout these videos. And another thing, the the announcers during the draft, just awful. Uh, and then, of course, Michael Buble. And that's going to be our first video. Now, if you want to see the video, you've got to tune in to our live broadcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, our YouTube channel is Top Shelf Dusters. And even if you don't catch the live video, you can go back and watch it. However, some of our comments are based on the video videos shown uh, throughout this segment. Uh, but I will give you a little bit of a breakdown. We are talking currently about Michael Buble. He microdosed, uh, or as Cass mentions in the YouTube video, macro doses on some mushrooms, and just a whole lot of awkward stuff happened. So uh, definitely worth checking out our YouTube video. It's because he was tripping. Uh, he was tripping balls. <laughs> like that was something else. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. Then you've got like in a different way, very awkward because of the Lindholm trade. He 
inadvertently made Calgary a no-show at the All-Star game. I was telling everyone while we were watching the video, like props to them for having the jersey ready. I mean, he had his new jersey and there he went. And then the last thing from the... It's a New Jersey jersey. The last thing from the draft is... uh, Let me see. Where are we? The Yeah, for for Swayman... um, I'm not sure what's going through his head. And this kind of goes back to don't put a mic in front of an NHL player when you don't have to. Um, he just goes on and on about how he wasn't picked earlier and how he he does like an awkward pitch as to why he should be picked next. And then goes on to say, uh, I hope my stats don't count for this. He just kind of talks, <laughs> talks about how, you know, like I want to get picked, pick me, but also I might not play well. It was just so weird. And then right at the very end of the clip, when you see the Buble mushroom folk talking, it's so terrible because they all have these mics on their face and you can hear them talking about like, oh, we could get this person and trade them. And it's just so bad. Uh, You've got to, if you have time, go watch the whole draft because it's pretty funny. Uh, But that takes us to the skills competition, which... I didn't watch too much about this, but Amanda did. Amanda is knows all about the skills competition. You loved all those baby blues. <laughs> I did. I, w- I watched, I sat through the entire skills competition, um, texting with a couple friends about it. Um, I partially enjoyed the revamp that they did to the skills. It was kind of nice in a way, focusing on these 12 players seeing them all compare and play. Uh, the big downfall was like the whole other half of the NHL stars that were there that literally yep. only played 20 minutes in a game. Like as a Canes fan, having Sebastian Ajo there literally played 20 minutes, was there for a whole weekend. And that was it. So like in a way it was nice. They pared down a lot of like the really corny campy, quote, skills competitions that they had. Um, but you still had players who just did not care. Everyone has Hootrop, seen the videos. The of, of um, just to the point where the whole stadium was booing him when he was doing the passing contest. Oh, it's the top score the was 23 one. points. The, the top score was 23 points. Kucherov barely... Barely managed five points. The the effort um, that Kucherov gave was exactly the same of my interest in this entire event. It just did not care. <laughs> you want to know, Amanda? You mentioned this, and this is the only thing I have to say about the skills competition: is it's so messed up that all the players didn't get to play in that. Like, what what was that? Was a horrible decision by them, and and that, it it's like you said, like you had your your Carolina guy and. And, you know, I said that Reinhardt didn't get to play, so that didn't really make it interesting. But Bobrovsky got to play. But you didn't. most teams didn't have that. Like, they didn't have, have a goalie in there. And if, if you want, NHL fans want, they want to see their player. Like, so well, I, who did Calgary I, watch then? <laughs> <laughs> Lindholm. <laughs> they could have watched really Lindholm, even, I guess. Even, even the goalies for the skills competition literally were out on the right. ice for one minute. Exactly. And that exactly. was it. So you, like, you're expecting these goalies to come in cold, play for a minute, 
And then that determines who wins for them the $100,000. Imagine um, if someone pulled their grind. Because they didn't stretch or they were waiting over oh 100 God. Gs. Like, imagine being an owner being like, I would have gave this guy 500 Gs to sit on his ass and say no. No thanks, well, I'm good. Well, and that's the thing. Now we'll we'll transition to the actual games. And it was something I kind of like fast watched them. Um, and my interest grew because the team Jake Ottinger was on was the winner of the whole thing. Um, but I, I started thinking in my head and arguing with myself, like, is it good or bad? Because on one hand, if you're a goalie, you're getting some three-on-three practice that you won't find anywhere else. It's three-on-three with the best players out there. True. So that's good, but you could pull your groin, especially if you're Ottinger, um, who has that nagging injury. And then when you've got these teams, uh, Jesse, do you have the graphics of the teams? Uh, yeah, I'm pulling up the McDavid one right now. The McDavid one wasn't too bad. It was a mix-up of teams uh, or players from different NHL teams. Uh, but like the Hughes team and the uh, Matthews team, it was like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks. And so then I start thinking, like, are you giving away your play style for three on three if you send out a line of your <laughs> three on three guys? I think they did do that. <laughs> that's I just a, that's not fun. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, I mean, McDavid's team, it, it was pretty, you know, across the board. McKinnon's across the board. But but those other two, uh, it was. Matthews, Matthews yeah. and Hughes long form. Here, yeah. Here's one thing to say, you know, Ethan, you make this point a lot. And most of the time it's true that when you see a Jersey get unveiled, it normally looks better on the ice. I don't think that was the case this time for these all-star jerseys. I think the only one I liked a little bit was the, the team McDavid, the white and black with the gold accent. That one looked okay, but the rest, I thought they looked terrible and the numbers and the name on the lower back, Horrible. Oh, man. Someone put as much effort in those jerseys as Kucherov did on his passing. Yeah, Bieber. That was Bieber. <laughs> Bieber designed it. So you could say Bieber gave no craps about the design. Did you see the so jacket he walked in with tonight? Yeah, did you Terrible. See? So I'll just bad. been here as someone who watched all three of the games. Um, it, to have the players tuck in their jerseys to their pants... And not to have the team association. Oh my God. You had no idea who was on the ice, who was scoring. There know their numbers. To keep up. I'm not going to do the <laughs> numbers for all the players for across 32 teams. Um, Don't it, have that bandwidth. Jesse, we'll put a bow on this and then move on to 2025-26. But can you cue up the Justin Bieber video? Um, and while he does that... Here's the team Hughes lineup. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Elijah Peterson, or Pedersen, Nikita Kucherov, Thatcher Demko, Kyle Connor, Brady Kachuk, Jasper Bratt, Cam Talbot, Brock Boster, JT Miller, Frank Petrano. And then team Matthews was uh, Austin Matthews, Morgan Riley, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, Jake Ottinger, Clayton Keller, Matthew Barzal, Igor Shosturkin, Philip Forsberg, Alex Debrinkit, and Vincent Trocek. Which, by the way, Alex Debrinkit has the most punchable face. I have to say that. 
Jeez, uh, never heard. Of wasn't Dang. wasn't it voted that it was Nick Cousins? It was Nick Cousins, but I, that was I, by I found I did that they did that poll, dude. and this is a I guess is a decent percentage, but that was twenty five percent of NHL players. Gosh. Um, now th- this video that Jesse has pulled up. So this is in the middle of the first game that Team Matthews played, or it was before their game. They're in the locker room, and you've got three big brain commentators talking about this clip they're showing and i'm almost certain they are mistaking mitch marner for justin bieber in the sense of saying that justin bieber might suit up and play in the all-star game which well, also mistaken, makes no sense i think justin bieber was out there for warm-ups or with for warm-ups right but these yeah. guys like pk Subban's one of the guys does he not realize no justin bieber's not going to be in the lineup for the game and then it's Mitch Marner in the video. That's insane. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I don't have it ready. Right. It, now. It, I'm pretty sure they're talking about Mitch Marner because he's the only guy standing in the in the frame. That is deplorable, uh, quite frankly. Mitchell Marner and Justin Bieber have the same face. At least yeah. we don't have to worry about this next year. Thank That's God. That's true. Thank God. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't get it up. Well... Take my word oh, that for sounds it. like your they, problem. They said it. <laughs> they Sponsored said it. by. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then just a quick little thing. This so this was the eighth year that they've done the three on three format for the the game portion. And that part's fun. But this is the first. Well, uh, yeah, that part's great. I love three on three hockey, but this was the first year that any of the games ever went to a shootout, and we had two of them this year to watch. Very fun. Also made it a little bit fun. Um, who wants to take 2025? Yeah, so we, there's going to be a bunch of changes that are going to be happening next year. As mentioned, the All-Star Game is not going to happen. And they are going to be doing a four-nation face-off. So it's going to um, going to be Canada, U.S., Sweden, and Finland. It's going to be an in-season tournament. That's going to consist of seven games played during a nine-day period from February 12th through the 20th. There's going to be two practice days, and it's going to be held in two uh, cities in North America that have not been named, one in Canada and one in the United States. The players um, gonna... I think... Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say it's Montreal and Boston, just for the record, but oh, not confirmed. Um, I was going to say, it's um, not too surprising they picked these uh, four nations. I think I mean, I pulled up the um, IIHF rankings real quick, and actually I found out that Sweden is ranked below not only Russia, who is the team I was going to bring up, but they're ranked below Germany, which is kind of crazy. But anyways, I think the NHL picking these four just kind of avoids the Russia controversy because that's, that's, I don't know when that's going to go away, but um, it's definitely not going to go away anytime soon. So they're kind of just like, hey, we're going to pick two of the four of the top nations and Sweden does have better representation in the NHL than Germany, even with Germany being technically ranked higher. So even though I would say Russia is a better, uh, they, Russia probably would perform better than Sweden and maybe even Finland. Um, I think they probably picked the, the, the right four teams, like right four nations for this. I'm kind of surprised. Like they didn't do like a six and like, there's a lot of but, Czech players in the NHL. 
And especially if one of the cities is Boston, it's kind of a shame David Posternock is not going to play. He did make comments. I couldn't find the screenshot that I had. Essentially, said they said they were sad and frustrated about it, that they didn't have other nations besides just the four. They could have put Czechia and maybe Switzerland. I mean, Germ- Switzerland's actually ranked above uh, Czechia, Cass. Um, just above, but anyways, they're the... Yeah, I think they could have done six, but then you get people. The, then the Russia thing becomes even more awkward, you know, because because Russia is currently ranked third best in the world, and so if you got six teams, then Russia's not in there. But they would never put Russia in there. Um, yeah, for obvious reasons. Which yeah, but if you look just from a hockey perspective, forget the geopolitical aspect of it. Uh, Russia would have made it a lot better. Team Russia. Agreed. I mean, agreed. But there, your hands are tied on that. And I, I do wonder, do you guys think this four-nation tournament was part of the negotiations, which is leading us to why there's oh, no yeah. All-Star game in 2026, in that um, the NHL and IIHF agreed that the NHL will participate in the Olympics for 2026 and 2030. So I think it bef- does help it hype it up a little bit. Yeah, before we go too into that, um, there was an article that I read that said that it's kind of like a preliminary appetizer, if you will, um, for the Olympics. So I think that it's just trying to get people hype about it a little bit more, which I don't know anybody who isn't excited about the NHL players going to the Olympics. We've been talking about it for almost a decade now. We wanted to see that. So I'm pretty excited that that's going to be happening. Now, I don't know... I can't really wrap my head around what kind of things are talked about in this because it, it, it's an agreement between the NHL and IIHF. And that agreement, you know, in uh, 2022, I think it was, yeah, there was talk that like NHL players could play. And then right at the last minute, the rug was pulled out from everyone. And it was like, nope, they're not. So there's some kind of negotiation that happens as to when it's okay and when it's not. And so I'm just wondering if this four-nation tournament was the NHL's way of getting some things back from the IIHF, which then made the NHL be like, okay, we're good. Well, you hear a lot of players being like like the Oliver Bjorkstrand who have plans for vacation and then get pulled in because of the All-Star game. So at least the Russians, the Czechs, all that, they can They don't have to worry about it. Next year. They don't have to worry about it. They can get the Airbnb <laughs> and not have to worry about getting sat down. From what I understand, before the next NHL season starts next year, each of the four teams has to have six players already previously chosen, and then further down the line, their rosters will be solidified. Can you explain that more, Cass? When do they have to have these six players picked? I believe it's before the NHL, started the NHL season next year. Before the season even starts. Wow. Before the season. So, like, obviously, you're going to have your Conor McDavid, your Conor Bedard. You know, he's Russian, right? No, Finnish. Oh, he yeah. is finished. We've had this conversation OB before. Kind of fucked me up. So, but um, you know, like obviously the U.S. You're gonna have probably uh, two Hughes brothers, the two Kachuk brothers. There's four right there, and Halibut and you know Jakey Otter, yep, or Swayman. We'll see. Um, Jakey Otter, dude. What a well, three golden tandem, yeah. man. Swayman, Ottinger, and Halibut. Oh my gosh, USA like, goaltending. It's good. <laughs> USA's got gold already. Be... Calling it now. Calling it now. 
I would love to like actually deep dive into some of how these rosters will look maybe over the summer during the Dude, we'll, yeah, well, we that's what we'll talk about that for sure. That's going to be a great off-season episode. I do wonder if that picking player but like picking six players before the season starts is that to level the playing field like let's say you Connor Bedard's on a list, right? What if he gets injured? I think it's more so they when they do their marketing and they could have like a face of the team uh, kind of thing. Yeah. That you makes more I mean? sense. Because <laughs> oh. you can assume McDavid's on there, but like let's let's make sure. Down there, you know, right? gonna be Team yeah. Connor, and, and, and maybe it gives older players like a Crosby might not be on the Olympic team in 2026 a chance to get into the best on best before maybe they don't make it. I'm not saying Crosby won't make the 2026 Winter Olympic team. I'm just saying like well, Pavelski, maybe like, maybe like a Marchand or a Pavelski or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any other comments about the All-Star game? I, I, We were going to talk about pros and cons. I think we all are in agreement that if we could have our way, we would have our players rest. We, yeah. we uh, definitely one, did, and I'm pretty sure... Only one of us watched it, Amanda, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I watched the, some of it. I watched, I watched zero I... of it. Sorry, <laughs> I know I should have. want to say about the 2026 Olympics is uh, IIHF is responsible for all insurance, travel, and uh, and transport transportation expenses for the players to go over. Oh, so, that's Leave probably part of that. So that was a big thing that the NHL needed the Italy, NHL to cover. Italy's NHL team, sorry, not NHL team. Italy's hockey team ranked 18th in the world right now in hockey. There you go. So but, I, um, it, they're going to get whacked so hard. <laughs> well, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I feel Mama like one of the last Olympics. I feel like one of the last Olympics, John Tavares like broke his leg or something, and he was on the island. It was a pretty bad injury. Amazing. Yeah. Man, are you able to look that up? I'm pretty sure I remember that happening. But Team Canada, obviously. But this um, wouldn't be the Olympics are nothing like an all star game. These guys go all out. Correct. Um, yeah, ex- you're, I don't for your country, of course. Exactly. Know. But um the one this was one of the biggest Olympics. Okay, so it was. Yeah, this is this was one of the big, biggest red X's on Gary Bettman's resume is he didn't have Best on best, and now he's out of that eye. Well, for, they had been. He just took it out for a while. Well, we missed like two Olympics, right? That was it. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, the last one they were in was 2014, so they weren't able to reach a deal in 2018. They missed 2018 or 2018. And then 2022, yeah. the COVID pandemic stopped all that fun stuff. So, Right. So he's only really missed two because they've been in the Olympics, I think, all the seasons before that. We'll see what we'll see what happens. I mean, it it sounds like a done deal. So more it's exciting Olympic hockey. Yeah, now it's worth watching I just, again. I just hope this four nation face off is affordable, especially if it is in Boston. I would love to go to one of these games, but I hope it's not going to be like a five hundred dollar ticket because it's probably going to be pretty expensive. Probably going to be pretty expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap up the whole thing. Put a pretty bow on it. With Cass's question of the week. Question of the week. Yeah. So last week, um, question I proposed was the goalie on the best. Wow, goalie on the best contract this year. And as always, we'll start with uh, ladies first. Jesse, no, just kidding. Uh, Amanda, you can go fast. That's not always first. You did me last week. 
Oh, I did Amanda last week. Oh, wait, you did. Sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Never mind. It was me because Cass warned me ahead. That's right. I did. Yeah. Don't get used to it, Cass. Um, (laughs) This was one that I finally could not pick a home team player because the Canes (laughs) just don't have that goaltender prospect anywhere near. Um, I actually went with uh, Demko. Um, I think at two and a half million, that is a steal. You're looking at a guy whose save percentage is 0.920, which puts him currently sixth best in the NHL, um, with Hill having the best at 0.936. So not even that far off from being the best. And again, at two and a half million, when you're looking at, um, goalies, like, sorry, Brett, like Bobrovsky that are like 10 million where you're just like, that is hefty. You said Demko, right, Amanda? Yes. So I have to fact check our fact checker. Oh, snap! Demko is making five million. He's a five million cap hit on the Canucks. Like I said, there we go. <laughs> Don't know what I was looking at then. <laughs> Even at five million, I will I will take him any day of the week. So, Kaz, if you don't mind, I'll go next because I I also picked Demko even at the the five mil. And and one thing that Amanda didn't mention about that, and this is a big reason why I picked him, is there's a lot of starting goaltenders that are at ra- around five mil, like Igor and um, Saros. Like they're both around that same thing, but they only have this season, next season, and then their contract ends. So with Demko, he's still got this season and then two seasons after it. On that five million deal, and he's already playing at a Vesna level, and he's probably only going to get better. So I say, up, up with the reasons that Amanda mentioned, also add on the fact that he's still got two seasons after this at only a five million cap hit. And on How top of that, last year though, wasn't good. Last on... year, he didn't do great. Three point one six. But the team, the team wasn't doing well. The either. team was bad. And on top of that, too, like. You mentioned UC Soros and you mentioned Igor Shesterkin. And both of those guys this season have not been what they have been in the past. Shesterkin, ever yeah. since the Vezina has kind of fallen off. And Soros just doesn't have a team in front of him to perform well. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that he's the best in that category. Ethan, so who do you got? Go for it. You know, um, I... I've really tried switching. to not pick. I've no, I've I've tried so hard to switch, uh, but I can't. I'm gonna Otter go. Down. No, Joey Decord. What? I was gonna say Joey, Joey Decord, Decord too. Yeah, again, you mofo. My player. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. I'm going next. I'm going for. I did not want to pick a Seattle Kraken, but you know, put him on any other team. Oh my gosh, like he would be lights out. $1.2 million contract. He's got a, uh, let's see, I just had it pulled up. He's got a .921 right. save percentage, 16 wins in his, I'm sorry, 15 wins in his 34 games played. The His only problem is it took him so long, it took Seattle so long to put him in. He's the guy. I, I do agree with that, and he was my choice as well, and now I have to choose someone else, so I hate you so much. You don't have um, to. I, I went with Demko. Even Brett, though why don't well, you choose someone else so I can make a graphic? And <laughs> All right, well, I'll, overall, I'll pick someone else. Overall, I think Thatcher Demko has the best contract as a whole, by far, of any of these people that we've named, right? Joey Decord was going to be my choice because 
I'm just trying to be different. But also, I think, uh, you know, Alexander Georgiev is getting paid well under that $5 million. He's at $3.4 million. He's only got one season left on this contract. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a lump there. But he's played very well for Colorado, being the guy who's primarily playing the handful of games. Last season, he played 62 games. This season, he's played 41 games. So he's at a 2.91 save percentage. He's under 990 uh, save percentage. He's 0.898. But when you're starting 41 games and, and you're, I mean, you're going to get lit up some nights and that's going to happen. I think Georgiev uh, has a really great contract. So that's if, if you want, I, I found someone else I can go with. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, so just scrolling through, trying to be a little bit quick about it, but let's go with Stuart Skinner. He started off this season real slow, but there's no doubt that he's definitely bounced back as part of this Oilers winning streak. And I think that's the Stuart Skinner we're probably going to see most of the time. I mean, the whole Oilers team was playing bad at the beginning of the season. I don't know if you can put it all on Skinner. And well, his they were contract, going back and forth with their goalies, and now he's always right, playing. Right, and he's at 2.6, all right? 2.6. And same as Demko, he's not only making that this season, but two seasons after that. So Stuart Skinner, pretty darn good contract if he can play to the level that he's that he's been playing at during this win streak. Is that your final answer? I, I want that is my final answer. I want Cass to give his his stuff, but I do have I think what would be a better better backup pick. But I won't say it because it might be on your list. Okay. So yeah, let Cass go. <laughs> Cass, you go. Well, I kind of went, I don't really look at how much they have left on their contract. I'm kind of looking almost for the best bargain is the way I kind of look at it. Not necessarily the way I worded it. And um, looking at some of these numbers, like there are some really good backups here. Um, You got Jonathan Quick, you got Charlie Lindgren, you got Connor Ingram. And honestly, I'm going to go with Connor Ingram. Like he's kept Arizona kind of relevant. He's on a excuse me, $1.95 million a year contract this year, next year, and the year after. Um, I mean, he's got a 261 goals against average and a 916 save percentage too, and playing with that team in front of him. So he's the one I'm going with. I'm glad I let you go first. Because <laughs> that's, that's what you were going to say. say. <laughs> I was going to say Connor Ingram would be my next pick. I like to incorporate the years because I don't know that. Like I even talked about that with the trade, right? That's where my mind goes is thinking about the future, and that's just how it works. Doesn't mean everyone else do it that way. That's just how I think about it. Well, it's a good way to think about it too, because if you think about it, if the cap goes up, they're still getting paid whatever amount they signed for at that time. mm -hmm. You know, so in theoretically, if the cap goes up and they had a contract that they were going to sign that year, they would be getting paid more. So I think that's a good way to look at it. Like, part of me wants, like, Connor Hellbuck's on a pretty good contract right now, but he got signed to that extension where it's, like, seven mil. Oh, Mark. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Omar. Just just to recap, Amanda's got Demko, Brett's got Skinner, Ethan's got Decord. Again, he stole my guy. Yes, he's got Georgiev, and I have Ingram. Georgiev, yes. That one, yep. Okay, so for next week. I'm ready. Worst contract for a forward, with the caveat, I cannot say Jonathan Huberno. I was going to say Jonathan what Huberno, the heck? so there you go. <laughs> All right, I'll find the second worst contract. How about that? 
We all know that Huberto is the first worst contract in the league, right? Yes. Come on, there's no way. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's almost too easy. So we will all decide our second worst contract for a forward on next week's episode of Top Shelf Dusters. (laughs) All right, so we are recording this. It's Monday, February 5th, 8-ish p.m. Eastern Time. And as we mentioned earlier in the episode, the London Police Service, not London PD. I thought it was London PD. Yeah, that was weird to me. (laughs) uh, The the service uh, held a press conference earlier today. It was at 2 p.m. Eastern. And we just want to give a quick recap of what happened and what's going to be happening going forward. Uh, Keep in mind, this isn't in chronological order of the press conference, just to make it easier to understand. But if you are interested, definitely go check out the whole thing. It's very interesting. Um, so to start, their opening. So the way they opened this was the London Police Service stated there was an investigation into an event that occurred on June 18th, 2018. Now, this was six months after the World Junior Championship concluded in January. Uh, but there was an incident in a hotel room following a banquet held in London, Ontario, celebrating Team Canada's gold medal victory. This investigation did not result in any charges at its conclusion in 2019. However, there was a review of the investigation started in 2022 and is still technically ongoing. And so the London Police Service noted that new evidence was gathered after the reopening of the investigation, and they didn't have some of this information in 2018. They do contend that it was just one investigation, even if it has been characterized as two separate ones. And as we get into some of these questions, that's something that comes up a little bit. Yeah, that was Uh, weird to me because obviously it's been well over almost two years between the two, between the first initial investigation where these players were not charged and charges were not set forth and then now we're here in February of 2024 where five players have been charged. So it's like, I understand what they're saying, but also at the same time, I don't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it almost, you want to dig in more. And, and what you, the listener, will understand as we go through all of these things is there's not actually a lot of information given for legal reasons, but it, you almost want to dig into it. And it felt like as soon as they started saying these things, I felt like, did the goalposts move as far as what's permissible evidence? Because 2018 to 2022, a lot has happened Mm -hmm. just in social issues and political issues. And so did the goalposts move? And now some things are admissible as evidence that maybe weren't in 2018. And then also, what are the statutes of limitation on this kind of thing? Because that's another question. I think it's different... I think it's different, obviously, because it's in Canada, and and I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer, but in any means, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to the law. But you know, also down here in the United States, I I know state by state things vary too, so we also have to take that into consideration as well. Yeah, what do you have, Amanda? There. So first thing, there's no statute of limitations to charge someone with sexual assault in Canada. Um, So this could like. This could have been like 10 years down the road and the victim was preferred to only be referred to as the victim and can file. Um, the other big thing, and I think 
why this has gained so much traction. It is the London police covering their butts because the victim filed a lawsuit in 2022, which they settled out of court with Hockey Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And once that news came about, like everyone had something to say about about how poorly it was handled. Why did it result in just settling? What more could have been done? It brought such a negative light to the London police that I think this is more than just like, oh, our bad. And then it was quickly reopened uh, later. That's going to make this whole thing unfold in very crazy ways, I think. Like there, once we get to the end of this. There were many questions from reporters pretty much saying, hey, did you guys mess up? And, yeah, it, you know, like obviously the, the police aren't going to announce that they made a mistake or they did anything wrong. And that's happened in many similar instances over the previous years and documentaries that I've watched regarding similar instances of, of charges such as these, we always see them, you know, taking no blame for it. And we don't know, obviously we're not going to speculate on that, but we also have to take that into consideration as well, that maybe they are trying to cover their butts. Absolutely. Um, moving through this, this press conference, they do address the charges. They, uh, the London police service confirmed that they have charged Alex Fermentin. Carter Hart, Cowfoot, which I feel like now I can't do the footy joke anymore, uh, and Dylan Dubé with one count of sexual assault. Michael McLeod was charged with two counts of sexual assault, and the players have all surrendered to the London Police Service. And then w- there was a question later in the questioning phase of the press conference about uh, McLeod's second charge, and the London Police Service said the extra, quote, party to the offense charge against is in relation to quote aiding someone else in committing the offense end quote and the reporter did use their one follow-up they were very strict about that you get one question and one quick follow-up their follow-up question was trying to get more info about that but no details could be given at the time so 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 regarding that um there was an article that i read i think it was under tsn where they had spoken to I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but his name is Andrew Ferguile. Uh, He's a Toronto-based defense lawyer, and he represented a junior hockey player in a separate sexual assault case. Um, And he said that, quote, being a party to simply means aiding or encouraging a principal offense, as Ethan mentioned. It essentially leaves the court two routes to conviction for McLeod if the first uh, charge for sexual assault fails for some reason, or if he's found not guilty. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like if you try and read between the lines, which always is not going to be beneficial for anyone ever, but let's do it anyways. It's almost like he was more involved than anyone else. And that's to, just how they're going to get him. To me, he, that seems two. like he was the prime enabler and that's, you know, pure yeah. speculation, obviously, but if he's the only one that's gotten two charges as a, as, out of all five of them, then, you know, that's, as Ethan mentioned, reading between the lines there. So I don't want to go too far into it. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speculate at all. It's very difficult. We all want to know case. the answers. Right. But we just, we're all going to have to be very patient. And based on these questions we're about to get into from the press, you can tell everyone wants answers. And so I've kind of categorized these questions as to how they pertain to 
to hockey and then the investigation itself. So starting with the hockey-related questions, uh, there was a question of, will there be more players from that team facing charges? And I think that's a question a lot of people want to know, especially if uh, their team has one of these players. Like, are we just waiting for an an inevitable charge to fall on one of our guys? Um, Which I will say, when it comes to this kind of matter, it really doesn't matter what your team's players, if they play or not, if they are part of this, they should be charged, regardless of how you feel about them. 100%. Um, but the answer that was given, they did say they've charged those that they can adequately charge based on the evidence at this time, and they have had varying levels of participation in the investigation from other players on the 2018 Canada team, but they can't provide details on who participated. So, again, a lot of these answers that they give, it's going to be kind of a, a smoke and mirrors answer. Um, the next question was, was the first investigation poorly done because it was Team Canada players celebrating a gold medal? So, essentially trying to get at the point of, was this poorly investigated because it was famous hockey people? And the police chief, uh, Ty Truong, I think that's how you say his name, he stopped the question and he, <laughs> he kind of goes in this weird direction. And I get what he was trying to do. He wanted to highlight that it involves a victim and it's all about the victim. It's not about hockey. He, he does mention that this is a sexual assault investigation rather than a situation within hockey culture. And he does mention he's not a hockey player and knows nothing about hockey. He then kind of goes off, off the beaten trail and starts talking about how the media and um, sexualization of women in, in media and culture is not helping these things, which is very dangerous to do anyways. Uh, and, and a reporter does kind of call him out on it and says, Rightfully well, why, so too. you know, how, how have you helped if your police department or I'm sorry, police service um, hasn't done an investigation properly in the first place, you know, which is a valid thing. He opened himself up. He set himself up big time. Uh, But I get where he was going. It's about the victim. It's not about hockey culture. So even though we're all hockey fans and everything we're going to be reading about this going forward is coming from hockey reporters. um, This really isn't about that. It's about the sexual assault and that's no bueno. Um, and then the last thing I, I had written down for questions from the press about hockey, um, when asked about the investigation happening alongside a Hockey Canada investigation and NHL investigation, Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan mentioned that Hockey Canada and the NHL's separate investigations did make the investigation for the London Police Service harder, but couldn't give any details other than that. So... Um, Once we get to the end of this whole thing, we're going to talk about some comments from Hockey Canada. We don't have much from the NHL side. This is a question that really kind of piqued my interest because I'm wondering if there's going to be some shade thrown on the NHL and Hockey Canada, I guess. But we'll see. I I could see that happening. I could see that happening for sure. Oh, it's going to get so messy. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. Okay. So on to the investigation questions. There's no, I'm, I haven't written any answers down because they're all very much the same. Uh, the questions resulted in very little result from, 
like an answer point of view due to this being an ongoing investigation and a case that's going to go to court. So obviously from the police department side, um, you can't give away what you've got in your evidence locker, right? If, if you've ever watched a court case or a trial, the Johnny Depp one was a very famous one uh, in the U.S. at least. And it, there are things you, you just can't say publicly because defense attorneys and prosecution attorneys are going to be watching the media. They're going to look for anything they can add to their weaponry once they get to the courtroom. And it, it's interesting because these questions from the press, I don't think they expected answers. Um, a lot of them repeated the questions that were previously asked. And it, it's almost, I was talking to Jesse earlier today, and some of these questions, it, they result in a non-answer. But if you're a defense attorney and you see the reaction just in even like facial cues from whoever's answering the question or not answering the question, um, that's a path that you start investigating through your means and you try and find out what's behind this door that we can use for our defense. So it, it's going to get very choppy, but I do want to read some of these questions because they're good questions and they're questions we all want answered, but we're not going to have the answers right now. Um, so I'll just read through these real quick. Uh, the first one was, is it one investigation or two? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, is it one investigation or two? Because they do mention it was 2018 to 2019 and then 2022 to 2023. They were kind of adamant in repeating the same line of this is one investigation. So that's the best answer you'll get from these questions. Uh, the next question was, did London P or police service mess up in the first investigation? Obviously, they're not going to admit that. But if you're a defense attorney for one of these guys, that's something you're going to look into. Uh, why didn't London Police Service hand this case over to another police department? Uh, no answer given. What was the spirit in the hotel room? Was it toxic masculinity? And I do think this question was asked kind of more in regards to the hockey culture thing that the police chief responded to. Um, another question. Why should we trust the London Police Service in good faith? That was a Great good one. question. Yeah, 100%. Uh, did the London Police Service fail the victim after the first investigation? Great question. Why did this take so long if the victim was cooperative? Great question. And regarding how the London Police Service can be better, uh, th this wasn't a question. This was just a remark that Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan mentioned. She said that the London Police Service has a program that allows sexual assault cases without charges to be reviewed by an independent program called the Violence Against Women Case Review Program. Uh, she was then asked, after mentioning that, if that was the program that got this case reviewed back in 2022, and she said they were not. So it, it kind of goes back to what Amanda was saying earlier. This is a, it, it feels very cover your butt-esque, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but then even when they bring these things of this independent program for violence against women case review program, that wasn't even a factor in this. So, yeah, it's so dicey. It really is. It really is. And you got to take it to consideration, um, you know, 
the specifics of of what is happening here. You know, um, it is a very difficult thing for them to discuss. I'm honestly surprised that they even opened it up to questions, considering that 90% of their questions weren't even answered. So it's, I understand what they're trying to do. I understand they're trying to be transparent after everything that has happened, but also at the same time, um, it's, it is dicey for them to, to, to be opening up the, uh, themselves to these types of questions and, and not really coming forth with answers. And, you know, as you mentioned, it is, an, it, is, it is an ongoing investigation and they need to ensure that they're protecting the evidence that they have. So I, I see both sides to it, but it's just this entire Why situation. Have yeah. It, Why have the press conference? I think they needed to answer questions that they felt that they just weren't able to take care of initially in the initial investigation. Did they really answer? No. Well, I I do. I I think timeline is a big thing and it's, it's something that most people maybe don't see or believe is actually happening. But if you look at the timeline of when they asked the players to turn them, they just said five players need to turn themselves in but if you look at that timeline a few days before one player uh exited the nhl for i for, i think it was dylan dubay was the first one uh and then it the timeline of the players leaving their teams and the london police service asking them to turn themselves in it was very close and then the announcement comes out that they're going to make their, this press conference on february 5th and just days before all the lawyers start saying, yes, our guy's been charged and we have no further comment. So it's almost like I think the London Police Service were going to be saying what players were charged, but then they got beat to the punch by the lawyers. You know, So then the whole press conference ends up being a moot point because you're not answering any actual questions that haven't already been answered. Don't you, you know? feel that that, or do you feel that that was the lawyers of the players trying to get ahead of the London police to make them look, I don't want to say foolish, but like they don't know what they're doing. I think that that was a tactic that they may have used to try and get them to, you know, look like they don't have any clue what they're doing, I guess. is 100%. Like I, I, I was also telling Jesse earlier, I'm a huge, like I love following big trials and big cases and just seeing the, the ins and outs of what lawyers do and, you'd be shocked at how little lawyers will do just to get a little inch ahead, you know, just anything you can do to win the case. Um, and so I, I do think that's what it was, but I think that, and I think also if you look at it from an NHL PR view, cause you know that the lawyers are in talks with the NHL lawyers and PR, you get it out early, let everyone get their speculations out. Not that, not that the interest has died down since like the five players or four players left their teams, but like it's kind of dwindled now a little bit. It's like all that speculation, all that talk got done early, let PR handle it then. And then it just kind of like slowly fades a little bit as like more news comes out, different things going on in the world. It kind of fades, unfortunately. Yeah. it Attention span for people is so short and it's just, and and this is going to take a long time. And we'll get to kind of the the aftermath of this. But one thing I will say is I wish I could be a fly on the wall 
in the NHL rooms or, or be in those conference calls because one thing uh, the detective sergeant Catherine Dan did say was she has not spoken to the NHL in several months. That's all she said. But you know that is that comes back to the question of where is the NHL going to fall into this in the aftermath. Um, but before we get into like Hockey Canada's response and the NHL's response that we have so far, um, one thing to note is this morning before this press conference, the players all were uh, video conferenced in for the first hearing. And essentially this hearing was just setting up the next court date. And so that court date is April 30th of this year. However, uh, something to note, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast that it could be 2026 when we figure stuff out. Uh, a Vancouver criminal defense attorney, not related to this case, but he was just asked about it. And he said, if it stays in provin- uh, provin- provincial, provincial, but it's like province, mm-hmm. province court. Provincial? Yeah. Yeah. The, the province's court. We don't have that uh, down here, so we don't know how to say that. Sorry. <laughs> the state court. It's provincial. Provincial. Provincial court. It'll be 18 months unless there's something extraordinary that causes it to get delayed. Uh, If it then goes to the Supreme Court, it's possible that it could last as long as 30 months. That's so two and a half years. Yeah. We're going to be this for a long time. So in that instance, I, I can't see any of these players making a return to the NHL until this is all over. And, you know, I know we mentioned or we discussed in the episode whether that would happen even if they were found not guilty. And it's like, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't want them back until this is said and done. So I'm in that boat. But damn, that's, that's a long time. But, you know, when you think about it, like, let's say the NHL does stick to that, that path of you can't play until you're 100% done with this. Then I don't think the players could go after the NHL. I think then it would just become a defamation lawsuit that they would have to charge or sue the London police service or the victim, maybe. Which that sounds so bad. That would to be say right that now, would be but, really, really crappy if that were. To but like happen. if it did come out that it was they were all innocent, you know, mm-hmm. then I think that's their path to get their lost wages. Um, it's then just up to them to stay in shape if that would be the case. Mm-hmm. But Jesse, do you want to you want to talk about what you found about Hockey Canada? So yeah, Hockey Canada said all players from the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team remain suspended by Hockey Canada and are ineligible to play, coach, officiate, or volunteer with Hockey Canada sanctioned programs. This does not include a suspension for next year's Four Nations Faceoff, and the reason why that is is because that's an NHL NHLPA event. So that has nothing to do with uh, Hockey Canada. Do you yeah. think they play? The individuals from the World Junior Championship uh, in this yeah. Four Nations face? In the Four Nations. Are you talking about the five that are being charged? Yeah. No. No, I don't think the NHL is going to let them come anywhere near any sort of NHL event in, in this time frame. And if they did, it would be a really bad look. It would it would be so interesting because Hockey Canada, what they're essentially doing by saying that is like 
if they play in that Four Nations not on us. face-off tournament, it's not us. Not <laughs> us. We aren't letting them do that. I Gosh. don't. I don't think the I don't think the NHL is going to allow them to come back to any event that is uh, involved that the NHL is involved in until this is all said and done. And like I said, if they do and they do allow that to come back to any of them to come back, that would be appalling. Straight up, yeah. straight up. Um, the NHL has stated the Philadelphia Flyers, New Jersey Devils, and Calgary Flames have been informed that they will receive cap, cap relief for the players on leave charged in the 2018 World Junior Criminal Proceedings. So all five of those players, excuse me, all four of those players, I forget Alex Fermentin's not in the NHL, um, all, all the teams for those players will be able to file for some sort of cap relief. I'm assuming it's kind of similar to LTIR, I guess, is the best way to put that. Um but essentially, they're going to allow their contracts to be off the books for cap-related purposes. Now, here's an interesting question, and we won't take too long with this because this episode's already very long, but um, let's say the Philadelphia Flyers or New Jersey Devils, obviously it, it wouldn't be the Calgary Flames, but let's say the Flyers and Devils, one of those teams, they win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So for, for engraving eligibility, for the Stanley Cup, a player is required to have appeared in at least 41 regular season games with a team, which I believe both at of those Carter players Hart have. Has. Um, at least Carter and, Hart has. And that's has. not necessarily like starting, like because he's a goalie. So uh, just at least appeared, I think even if you're a backup, that counts. Um, or one Stanley Cup final game. So obviously that wouldn't be the case. But this 41 season thing, are they engraved on the Stanley Cup? Um, that would be, uh, no, no way. What do you think, Amanda? I don't, I, I don't think so. That would be so crazy because they would have every legal argument to say they should be on the cup. So Carter Hart has played in 26 games with the Philadelphia Flyers. He started 26 games. Michael McLeod has played in 45 games with the New Jersey Devils, and Cal Foote has played in only four games, so he wouldn't have an argument there. So it would okay. be Michael McLeod and I guess Carter Hart, considering yeah. that he uh, has started you know, 25 games with the Flyers and has appeared on the roster, I'm assuming. I don't think he's been cut out any, of anything. Right. Um, they, in most they've of been games. over 41 games. Yeah. Right. No, I, no, I, I, I don't think that 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 should be allowed, unless unless you know, maybe sa- save space for them if one of those teams wins, save space for them and see what happens, and if they are cleared <laughs> of charges, then well, what, it's weird because like the coaches and the staff they come last, so you either like add a goalie at the end or or McLeod at the end, or you just have a gap. And that just it looks really then bad. You, then you, you, keep, the you leave enough space for John Tortorella's name and then put John Tortorella on <laughs> afterwards. I don't know, man. I, I just, <laughs> it would really be dependent on whether or not they were uh, found innocent or not, obviously. And, um, but we won't know. We won't know. We won't know for time. two years. Yeah. We won't know for at Gosh. least two, at most two years, I guess. I don't know how this is going to work. This is 
it's going to be a lengthy process and I hope it is given the time that it deserves because these are serious accusations here. So to conclude, we would like for it to be known that we feel that the actions these individuals are being accused of are absolutely deplorable, repulsive, and reprehensible. No individual, regardless of status, should be able to escape justice for crimes of this nature. While we are of the opinion that the accused are innocent until proven guilty, if the evidence shows that the five players named in this case are, in fact, guilty, we hope justice will be impartial of their renown as hockey players and they pay for their crimes against the victim. And that does it for us this week on Top Shelf Dusters. Thank you so much for listening and watching. You can watch us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Not You can't watch us there, but you should follow us anyway. My name is Jesse. This is Brett. This is Cass. This is Ethan. This is Amanda. We will catch you all next week. Have a good one, everybody. Music for this episode was written, recorded, and performed by Robbie Padavano at Robbie Padavano on Instagram. Mm-hmm.